It's NFL Draft Week, and Mina Kimes has a mock first round with Dominique Foxworth up right now, and we'll have a full recap next week. Check out the Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny wherever you get your podcasts. The final episode is here, exclusively on ESPN+, which means all episodes are now streaming. Man in the Arena, Tom Brady. 22 seasons and 10 Super Bowl appearances, Tom Brady like you've never heard him. Featuring Tom Brady's three sisters, Giselle Bündchen, Tom Brady Sr., Rob Gronkowski, Michael Strahan, and more. All episodes now streaming on ESPN+. Presented by Under Armour. Welcome to That's What She Said with Sarah Spain, a podcast about, well, whatever the hell I want. Actors and musicians, athletes, comedians, neuroscientists, wine experts. If I find somebody interesting, I'm bringing them to you. We'll talk about how they became who they are, how they found success, battled failures, and how they ended up here, talking to me. My name is Becky Lynch, and I do not sleep. Okay, hold on. So you don't sleep? Sleep is very important. Especially if you're in the ring, you know, doing your four-leaf clovers and bexploder suplexes and manhandle slams and hammerlock inverted DDTs. How'd I do there? Great. Okay, we got to remedy this because for sure you need to sleep. And I like a natural route, so no Ambien or anything like that over here. I start with melatonin. One five milligram pill usually does it for me. Makes me nice and groggy, but you might need a couple more than that. Second, consider potentially a nighttime meditation. Most people who can't sleep usually say it's because, you know, their mind is racing. They're thinking about their problems from the day, personal life, planning for the next day, all that stuff. And the only way to really shut that down is to get your brain to be still. There's a bunch of good meditation apps for that that you can set up to use while you're falling asleep. I do a sort of alternate meditation where I pick a really happy moment from my life and I think about it in really specific detail, trying to remember everything about it. It usually works for me because I get sleepy, sort of remembering, and then I kind of want those memories to maybe show up in my dreams so I have happy dreams. Unfortunately, it doesn't usually happen. I usually uh, dream of, like, murders and stuff that were from the TV show I was just watching and random former teachers from high school show up. But worth a shot, right? Uh, I would start with those. You got to sleep, girl, for those Bexplexes and stuff. Okay, good luck. That's what she said. Hey, everybody, it's Sarah Spain. Welcome to That's What She Said. Today's episode is a flashback to one of my faves with a sort of unexpected guest, at least for me. WWE superstar Becky Lynch. So I am admittedly not a big follower of WWE, but when Becky spoke at the ESPNW Summit in 2019, she really blew me away with her incredible life story and how she talked about the evolution of her career. Uh, She joined me at the end of 2019 to talk about growing up in Ireland, failing PE class, how she got into wrestling and was finally able to see herself as an athlete, Uh, plus talked about the injury that caused a six-year break from wrestling, why she once cried in a grocery store, and the surprising and inspiring meaning behind her nickname, The Man. Uh, Since we last spoke in 2019, Lynch and her husband, fellow superstar Seth Rollins, welcomed baby Rue, born in December of 2020. Um, And I have to say, in the years uh, since I first met her at the SPNW Summit to now, I've seen the real-life Becky Lynch outside the ring, who has done incredible things for a family that I know and love here in Chicago, whose son suffers from a series of major medical issues and... Just last month, in fact, she invited the family to her WWE Raw show, got them seats with special accessibility for their son, met with them backstage, and just, you know, brought them a ton of joy in really tough times. Um, I think you'll enjoy hearing her story and getting to know her a little bit. So here's the man, Becky Two Belts, Becky Lynch. That's what she said. 
So I learned a lot about you at the ESPNW Summit. You absolutely stole the panel. But for those who weren't there, maybe those who don't know as much, let's talk about Becky Lynch as Rebecca Quinn. Born in Limerick, growing up in uh, in Dublin. What kind of kid were you? Um, I was a, I was a little weird kid. <laughs> I think it's the best way to put it. I was alternative, right? Like, never wanted to be mainstream, like, hated anything that was, was mainstream, right? Like, um always just wanted to go against the grain, like always rebellious, maybe sometimes just for the sake of being rebellious. Um, I was uh, I was outgoing with my friends, really shy around adults. Um, I wasn't athletic, but I loved to, to be outside all the time with my friends, like whether but playing like different different games or whatever it would be, rounders, which is, is our... I don't think you have that over there. It's, it's, I guess somebody in Ireland watched baseball and we made right. up our own version, but <laughs> yeah. with like tennis rackets. Um, okay. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. So I, 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 pretty normal childhood, just a little bit of a weirdo. <laughs> and you did a little bit of sports stuff, horseback riding and swimming and basketball and stuff. But, um, but you didn't know it when you were growing up that you would be doing something later in life that involved being an athlete, right? Oh, absolutely not, no. Because uh, so even though, like, I would have been active, right? Like, like you said, swimming, horseback riding, et cetera. But I was a chubby kid, and I was always, like, made fun of for being overweight and teased about that. Um, and, and looking back, I wasn't, like, huge or anything. I was just a little hooky kid. And then, so then when I, when I was a teenager, you know, I went through those angsty years and really just didn't want to do anything. So I absolutely had, had zero interest. Gave up everything, you know. I would have been in like dance class and acting class and, and things like that. And then when I came to being a teenager, there was yeah, a few family problems, and I moved out of my childhood home and into a different place. And started hanging around with um with a crowd that were doing things that we we shouldn't have been doing. They were older than me too, you know. And uh, thus started my years of just kind of being more sedentary, sedentary, and. Um, Trying to, I don't know, not even trying to do anything, just existing, really. Right. Yeah, and you had an older brother, and so you guys always watched professional wrestling from a young age. Was it him deciding to get involved and wrestle that kind of got you out of that slump and deciding to get into wrestling? So what happened was, like, I, I like, failed PE. I, was, <laughs> oh my God. I didn't think that was possible. Yeah, no, I don't think it is. <laughs> Somehow I did. Uh, I think you get points for showing up. I, I, was, okay. I was there. I was there. I don't know what happened. Um, and, like, I remember, you know, the teacher calling my mom in and just telling her what a bad kid I was. And, like, to be fair, I, I wasn't a bad kid. Like, I wasn't. I didn't do anything wrong. I just didn't do anything, you know, um, in, in school, in school, that is. Uh, my mother might tell you a difference, but yeah. So and and my mom left in tears, and and uh, I was I was getting ready for for my junior year at the time. That's I, I'm not sure what the equivalent is, um. But it's like your mid high school big, right. big exam, um. And uh, and I was just man. I was like, my life. What am I doing? What am I? Doing? I'm like drinking and smoking and doing things that I shouldn't be doing. And I'm uh, 15. Like, I need to get my, I need, I'm feeling here. I need to get my act. And I started thinking, like, how can I get in shape? Uh, I didn't want to go to the gym because 
like I said, it was an alternative kid, and that seems too mainstream for me. <laughs> and so then my brother found out that they were opening wrestling school in Ireland. I was like, oh, man, I want to do that. And he's like, you're not doing it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, we'll see. <laughs> and so uh, it's the day that it opened. He went down, and I uh, I went down separately from him. I uh, found my own way down. And uh, and then I started. And, and it was a thing where, where I started, and I was terrible. But, man, I loved it. And I... I for the first time in a long time, I felt like this, this sense of community and belonging. And for the first time ever, like it gave me a drive that I hadn't had, like a passion and a purpose. And I, I just, I just wanted to get better at the thing. But my brother always had these things. Like he, he was always um, picking up hobbies. Like he, he was an artist, and he would do that diligently. And he was, a, he was in a band, and he learned to play different instruments, and he was great at that. And so. Um, but I just didn't have any of those things that I sunk my teeth into. Um, and I always wanted one, but I could never find one. I might pick up something for a week and then discard it. But this was something that I was like, oh, I want to be really great at this. So what was it that drew you to wrestling? It's it's performance, which sounds like something you would have been shy, at, at least around adults, with. And then physical activity, which you also weren't particularly into. But when you put them together, somehow there was a magic there for you? There was something about the toughness. Right now, we were watching a show called Tough Enough. That was a WWE show, and it was all these people who wanted to be wrestlers. And they would show up, and they wouldn't be sitting over, and they would drop it. They just wouldn't be tough enough. Uh, right like the name um, yeah. but yeah, yeah. there was something about that toughness that I, ju- I just wanted to prove it to myself you know like I felt like I I had been through some stuff you know and I kind of felt like I was maybe a, a little hardened um, in certain ways and, and probably not really in hindsight but you know I just kind of wanted to, to prove that I can put myself through anything um, and survive and persevere and, and try and this was my this was my opportunity. And the thing is, as well, was that I was the only girl. Um, and I think that I also I think I like that that worked for me too. Um, because I, I I've always gotten along well with guys. Maybe this is wrong of me to say, and maybe I shouldn't say. It, but I think if if there was girls there, I wouldn't have done as well as I did because I yeah. think I would have because I was so bad, right? And I was so unathletic. But I couldn't compare myself to the guys, right? But if I saw another girl that was just so much better than me, that would have been able to pick up everything, I probably would have compared myself and maybe would have gotten a lot more disheartened and possibly would have given up quicker. But the yeah. fact that I didn't... And it just kind of shows you. It's kind of like a, a, a thing with life these days, right? Because we're constantly comparing ourselves. And maybe that's why, why people get sad quicker. And it, it's always, we're always comparing. And, uh, and I think the fact that I didn't have anyone really to compare myself, is just a, a real benefit for me. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So when you got into wrestling and started to train professionally initially in Ireland and then some of the independent wrestling circuit, how did that time-wise work with when you went to college and then ultimately dropped out of college? Did you try first or wrestling first? So, okay, so um, I would go over to, like, England and Scotland when when I was in high school and everything like that. So I would... uh, say, for example, weekends or summer holidays or we got like a week off around Halloween, midterms, all that kind of thing. So that that was the time when I would travel. I would do independent shows over in, in the UK. And then when, when I was 17, dropped out of college. So I was able to I was able to travel a bit more then. And that's when I'm, I would take bookings in Europe. And then I moved off to Canada to try and pursue it then. So you did a number of years on the independent wrestling circuit in a couple of different leagues and organizations. Do you have any stories of looking back at sort of small-time wrestling that you either laugh or cry about? Um, probably nothing that I really cry about, but um, I look back at it like so fondly, right? And like I was so poor. I was not making any money. And I was, you know, wrestling in front of maybe, if I was lucky, a big crowd being. 200 people. Oh, actually, I do have three. Um, but there was that that struggle that I freaking loved, you know, that, that uh, you know, I had to sleep on my friends' floors, et cetera, et cetera, and live on bread for weeks at a time. But um, I always thought, okay, one day this is going to be, this is going to be good in a biography. Um, right. And that was always <laughs> my way of looking at it. But it was, it was cool because when I was 18, my like, oh, at that time, wasn't really to get into WWE so at the time they were doing uh, you know brown panties matches and mud wrestling matches and all that. ah man that's, that's not my style I want to wrestle I want to be great I want to be the best in the world it's not just the best woman it's the best in the world and I would look at Japanese women's wrestling oh man those women are dope that's what I want to do <laughs> and so at 18 I, I went over and uh, I was able to I main evented in in Cork and Hall, which is a famous wrestling venue, um, at just 18. So that was that was pretty cool, and that was a, a huge highlight. Um, there was another time when uh, this was when I was almost finishing off, and uh, I was brought over to Italy. And uh, at the time, there was one promotion that was running like 10,000 people um, in each crowd, and uh, so I went over the expectation that this was what it was going to be and the promoter had the expectation that this is what it was going to be and myself Sandy Zane and Kevin Owens were there with me in the WWE were on the show it was the first time that I met them and we show up and we go into these arenas and there is like if there's 10 people in the crowd we're lucky oh my God. but it's in it's <laughs> in like this, this arena which seats like 5,000 people and uh, yeah so that, that was an, that was a bit of an experience Oh, gosh. Yeah, I mean, you, as long as you make it, 
you can look back on those times and sort of be like, ah, oh, that made me better. That made me stronger. If you never make it, it's like, that sucked. That was terrible. I didn't have anything to eat and I slept on floors. Right. But thankfully you do. You have it for the book now and you kept making your way up. Although you did have a six year break from wrestling. So in 2006, you're in Germany and you suffered a head injury, all sorts of, you know, headaches and buzzing in your ear. Your vision was affected. What did you do? And did you think you would eventually get back to wrestling? Um, so, yeah, wow. That turned into, uh, uh, especially right after, just a dark, dark time in my life. Cause, um, so I got a, a fairly substantial concussion. I come home, my eyes and face hanging out of the socket. Um, oh. And I'm wearing, you know, sunglasses and, and not really. But it, it looks pretty awful. And I, I come back and I'm at home. I'm only 19 at this time. And I'm wearing sunglasses inside. My mom's like, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, press this and rock stairs, mom. Don't worry about it. She's like, take them off. Take them off. I'm freaking nice. She's begging me to quit. She's just like, what are you doing? Like, And I couldn't, at that stage, I couldn't point to anyone and say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be like them. That's the career that I'm after. Because so I pointed to WWE and she thought, like, women being objectified. Yeah, that's that's not what I want. And there was just nothing that I could say that would make her feel more comfortable about my career choice. So anyway, in the meantime, I I booked a, a personal training training diploma over in Orlando, right? Because I, I figured that way I can be back in America so I have easier access, more of an independent circuit, and I can get a plan B if this doesn't work out. Look, I think as soon as you start thinking of plan B, plan B's, you're out, you're done. Like, it becomes right. plan A. So anyway, so I go over, I'm, I'm halfway over, I have a stop over in, in New York, and I call my mom on a payphone, because that's what we did back then, and uh, and, and she answers me, I'm like, Mom, I'm so sorry, I just, I, I'll, I'll go back to college, I, I'll quit this, I'm sorry, I just want to come home. She was like, no, nope, no, nope, you're not coming home. So like, you've given up on everything, you haven't followed through, you've lied to me, you've this, that, whatever. She's like, you're not coming home, you have, you have see this through so off I went to Orlando and uh and then I was stuck in this um little apartment this great dismal apartment with very little money and uh I I kind of shook myself off from the wrestling world I kind of couldn't face it I couldn't talk to anybody I couldn't say look I'm just I'm depressed I'm in a low point in my life and I don't know I don't know if I want to do this anymore I don't know if I can do this anymore and so I just shook my myself off probably for a few bridges by doing that but it was just it was uh it was a shame thing um right. of just not being able to own, own up to anything and and so then anyway that was done and did my personal training diploma i came back i ended up working as a flight attendant for two and a half years I ended up uh doing random courses like teaching english as a foreign language and i toured and i you know backpacked around thailand and and Cambodia um, and then after a while I, you know I kept just trying to find what it was that I wanted you know so pick up various martial arts and maybe that would be my passion or go scuba diving maybe that would be my passion and all them spells right you know and uh, and so then I was like okay well the thing that I loved was a performance so let me go back to college and, and do my degree in acting my mom is like you're not doing a degree in acting you'll get nowhere <laughs> and, and so anyway and, been there, uh, been there for uh, that one. <laughs> oh yeah. And so anyway, so unbeknownst to her, I went off and I I auditioned for the American Academy of Dramatic Art, and, and uh, 
to God was like, brilliant. Here's the highest scholarship that we give to people. And I come back and I tell my mom, look, mom, I actually, I think I'm pretty decent for this. And so then I go audition for different colleges in Ireland and um, and I get in, of course, because I wasn't actually terrible like my mother thought that I would be. Um, and so then I, I go and I do my acting degree. And then when that's done, I'm looking for work, I'm looking for work, and I'm handing out my resume everywhere, my headshots everywhere. And I land from the Viking set, they were filming in Ireland at the time. And I get a call, and it's from the Stunt Guild. They're like, hey, Stunt Guild of Ireland here. A man <laughs> called Paul Burke. And he was like, yeah, you do stunts? And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, that's what I do. And uh, he was like, oh, I'm here on the Viking. Would you like to come down and do a stint? I was like, yeah, of course, yeah, brilliant. So anyway, uh, I hang up the phone. I'm like, oh, God, what have I got myself into? <laughs> so then I go down to a wrestling school. I'm like, oh, God, it's good to wrestle and I wrestle. So maybe if I just, if I use that confidence and I apply it to this, nobody would be none the wiser. So I went down and when I was at the wrestling school, the guy that was teaching the class was, oh, man, you haven't lost it. Have you ever thought about going for WWE tryouts? And uh, I was like, nah, man, my sh- that, that ship has failed and going off I'm going to move back to New York because I lived in New York working as a bartender for a little bit in college and uh, I was like I'm going to go there I'm going to live the dream you know work the waitress probably and try to get some work and now I've got this stunt thing going for me he's like well I think you should think about it I think you would get it and uh, it took about two seconds before I was like oh yeah this is it this is what I'm meant to do that's great. It's like it it's it came back around at the right time. And how long after you met with this guy at, at the wrestling academy and, and he urged you to get back involved, how long before you signed your deal with WWE? So I think my tryout was maybe like four weeks later. Oh my gosh. And I got that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And once things start going, they just start going, right? Once it's right, like sometimes it's 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 a long grind, and then all of a sudden something clicks, right? It, it's just yeah, for um, sure. It's that it's that overnight success thing where it you know it takes ten years to be an overnight success. But so <laughs> but once once that stuff happens, then it just it all clicks. And um, and then I got a call two weeks after that to say that I was starting um, in the performance center in July. That's really cool. Um, and and of course now you bring the acting work that you had done to the to the wrestling ring, which is so important for the performance side of it. So you've got the physical, you've got the performance side. Were you nervous in terms of WWE about how to make your mark, how to stand out from everybody else and continue to get given, you know, prime spots and opportunities? Oh, hell yeah. My God, <laughs> so much. And when it, cause I arrived and then all of a sudden I had no confidence, right? Like getting signed, I was like, oh, this is, it's meant to be. It's meant to be. There is no way that everything that has happened in my life hasn't led me to this moment. I'm getting signed, no doubt about it. And then I arrive and I am full of doubt because now I have it. Now I know what it's been like to be without it and struggle and think and, and, and go, oh, I've unfinished business, but I don't know how to get back there. And now I'm back there. And now I don't want to lose it. I don't want to mess it up. So then I'm so in my head that I can't put one foot in front of the other. And I'm just failing constantly but the one thing that I had was that I I wasn't <laughs> I guess I wasn't afraid to make a fool out of myself right when it came right. to talking and so um, 
So we would have promo classes uh, every Wednesday with Dusty Rhodes, one of the greatest of all time. And he's he's one of the people that really went to bat for me and kept me, kept me in my spot um, because uh, I, I would do these outlandish characters like whatever came to my head I would just go and I would make a promo and he just he loved it because he likes his broken toys you know if you came in the full <laughs> package completely polished I didn't really like he, he had no work to do with it but if you were a little bit broken and I was a little bit broken then he he, he had some work and he had a project and he really went to bath for me and I think that was kind of where I thrived and then I would just work man like even if I wasn't good I would just worked my ass off and I wouldn't stop and I really tried and I just wanted to get better and I'd pick everybody's brain and I, I just where I didn't have talent I had work ethic and I would do whatever it took to show that I wanted it so that you couldn't even if I wasn't good you couldn't deny that I was trying to get better right did you have any fear coming back to wrestling after the injury that originally sidelined you because it sounded like it was a long recovery and it set you back even in just your personal life and your happiness for a stretch. Well, yeah, but it, it wasn't even the injury that kept me down. It was, it was a depression, right? So, yeah, I didn't want to get hurt again, but I didn't want to be without this thing that I had given up. And that scared me more than, than ever getting hurt, than ever breaking a bone, than ever needing surgery, was to know what it was like to, to live without it and to be lost and depressed and, and just searching constantly and never feeling like this is it. Like it was right. always like, oh, yeah, this is this is good, but it's not it. This is fine, but it's not it. You know, and, and there was, you know, of course, moments of, of great times. But I had spent my early teen years or like my mid to late teen years being Rebecca the wrestler. That was who I was and it gave me confidence, right? Like like I said, when I was a kid, I was different. I was a little weirdo. But now I was like, oh, but I'm, now I'm, I'm different, but I'm cool. <laughs> you know right, I mean? right, right, right. So, well, that's, that's for so a lot of people. A lot of the things that make us feel weird when we want to be just like everyone else growing up, we get to be an adult and we're like, oh, thank God I'm different because it, it makes me who right. I am. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it gave you a story. It gave you something about yourself that was right. memorable. And then if I didn't have that, well, who was I? And I had to figure that out. And so that was, I, I think that's what was so good that that I went through, all, that I had those years of struggling and trying to figure it out, being low and lost, not knowing who I was. Because, because one, it made me humble. I think I was just such a mouthy little thing. Like that and the confidence, I was young, I was a teenager, and I'd, I'd gotten quite good. Um by 19 and I think um, I, I think if I'd even made it WWE I would have ruined it I would have been too mouthy or it would have been you know what I mean I would have been too arrogant something like that and then that really humbled me and uh, and then it just gave me a massive appreciation knowing what it was like to be without it I remember even when I was living in Orlando working at NXT I remember driving my car down the road having bought groceries and just crying like crying, mm. going like, oh my god! Like wrestling is paying for this car, and it bought me them groceries in the back, and something as simple as that, just going like, wow! I don't have to work in a health food store right. shoveling peanuts anymore, you know. We'll get right back to the interview, but first, you gonna learn today. The word of the week is banjinxed. 
in honor of Becky Lynch, some Irish slang for you. Banjangst means broken or ruined. It can also be used to describe being tired or sleepy. It is of origins unknown, just Irish slang, banjangst. So in a sentence, Lacey Evans and Charlotte Flair teamed up to send Becky Lynch flying through a table in the center of the rink, leaving her woozy as she emerged from the wreckage of the banjangst table. Now let's get back to the interview. So you have success really early on. You become the inaugural SmackDown Women's Champion in 2016. You've held the title three times. And in 2018, you decide to have this sort of character change. You become the man. So before we get into that name itself, tell me, why did you decide to evolve? Why did you decide to change who you were and sort of your character? Um, there was no choice. So when we came up, things went fairly well. For me, but I was never seen as the one that was it. You know, it was always kind of like, yeah, but she's not the one. You know what I mean? And I would go like, oh, my God. And I always had this connection with the crowd. Always had this just undeniable connection. I like them. They like me. We're both. We're all in this together. Let's let's do this thing. You know, I love wrestling. You guys love wrestling. Let's go do some wrestling. And, um, and so I had a really bad year wrestling-wise in 2017 just not doing anything like just kind of about to do something and then something would happen I get taken off TV about to do something would happen I get taken off TV like it was just kind of very stop and go and then 2018 rolled around I was like that's not happening again I was on the pre-show at Wrestlemania and uh, I remember a friend texting me saying that these two girls are going to be the main events of Wrestlemania that's my dream I'm not letting that go and anyway so um, I was just kind of I started to work work harder and harder and harder. And then um, uh, I had a ladder match in Chicago. I'm currently in Chicago at the moment, actually. And uh, every time I'd step foot on the ladder, like to get the briefcase, the crowd went nuts. And it showed everybody that, okay, Becky has this connection with the crowd. Um, So then from that, they put me in a title match at SummerSlam. And it was meant to be a singles match. you know, and every the, the crowd got real excited. Okay, thank you. Gonna be the champion again. She gets a moment, blah blah. This stuff, and then um, they put in Charlotte Flair, who's uh, you know currently the most decorated female in in WWE history, the daughter of Ric Flair, and everybody was kind of like, oh, this person. They always get everything. They always, they always handed everything. And so um, at the end of the match, I had my finisher locked on the current champ, Carmella, and. Charlotte hit me with her finisher from behind, right? She went over, pinned me, one, two, three. And then after that match, I slapped the head off her, whatever it was supposed to be, what we call a heel turn, which means turn into the bad guy. But the crowd just erupted it, which of course they would. Of course they would. Because they saw me be the underdog, be constantly overlooked constantly struggling, constantly there to make other people look good, to make other people the star, but never really be the star themselves. And they saw my hunger. They saw the promos that I could. They saw that I was constantly working, but that other people were being handed things. And they related to that because everybody has that story. Everybody right. can relate to being overlooked and wanting to make it, but there's always somebody that's more talented than you, that everything comes easier to them, that they're just... And they relate to saying, oh, I've had enough of this. I'm taking what I want and what I deserve. And, and this is my time. And, and, and so anyway, and so then that was the upswell and, and everything just kind of um, snowballed from there and, and ended up being um, 
one of the greatest 12-month runs in probably WWE history. So as someone who's from Chicago and is in Chicago now as well, what I'm hearing is that oh, the yeah. Chicago fans are the reason for your success. That's what I'm hearing. Do I have that right? 100%. <laughs> Perfect. Good. Well, no, but, but absolutely. <laughs> and it's funny because, uh, because this is where I did a lot of my um, independent work, too. Yeah, and you went to Columbia College for some of your studies, right? I sure did. Yeah, I spent a year in Chicago studying in Columbia. Studied a little bit of clown here. Um, I loved it. And your fiancé, Seth Rollins, is from Illinois, not Chicago itself, but the area. No, Iowa. Iowa, okay. For some reason, I thought Iowa. I read that he also had some connection to Moline, Illinois, or something like that. Uh, um, well, that's where that's the airport, because uh, the Quad Cities. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Uh, by yeah. the way, I'm always curious, do you call each other Rebecca and Colby or Becky and Seth? Rebecca and Colby. Okay, because that would be weird, right, if you if you called each other by your, your wrestling names. But it's also probably weird for half the people to always be calling you one and, and then half of your family and friends calling you the other. Yeah, 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 yeah. But when I'm referring to him in conversation, it's always called, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so tell me about the name The Man, because as someone who's not as familiar with, with WWE, when I started seeing you taking everything over and you were the man, I had the natural reaction that a lot of women and, and, and woke dudes have, which is like, why you got to be the man to be the best woman? Why can't you be the best woman? But I love the way you described it at the ESPNW Summit. So tell us how you came upon yeah. that. So look, in my line of work, I mean, in all sports, in all life, whenever the person is the top, they're the man, right? Like, oh, man. Freaking Tom Brady, he's the man. Um, LeBron James, he's the man. Ric Flair, the man. You know, like Seth Rollins was the man. And I was like, okay, well, I'm the top dog now. Now I'm the man. None, right. none of y'all cutting the must. I'm the man. And so if I call myself the woman, do you think anybody would have? Honestly, it's not polarizing. It doesn't make people think. It's not thought provoking. And it doesn't. Right. It doesn't. Uh, a list of a conversation. But but when you call yourself the man, when you say, look, I am the top, and it's, cause it's not a gender thing. It's not a gender thing. It's an um, elite thing. Yeah, it's just the way that we have in our society have sort of labeled the top dog is the man. Yeah, and so the and man. you're right. It's it's attention grabbing and and it takes over in a way that labeling yourself the best woman or the woman or or anything it just wouldn't draw people's attention. Uh, and you've clearly had a ton of success since that sort of evolution and that stuff. There's a little girl named Milena Lindbergh and she had her birthday party recently. She had a Becky Lynch cake that said the man on it. All the decorations, she dressed as you for Halloween and actually had a couple questions for you. So uh, here's uh, here's Milena's questions for you. Hi, Sarah. Thank you for letting me ask Becky Lynch a question. I have been thinking about this all weekend. Say hi to Banks, Fletch, and Hodge from me. Those are my dogs. Hi, Becky. Congratulations on being Roman champion and beating Ronda Rousey. My little brother, Major, walks around going, Whoa! I have a couple questions for you. Who is your toughest competitor you have faced so far in your career? Do you ever want to be anything other than a wrestler? I am a vegetarian, too. How long have you been one, and why did you start? Do you miss living in Ireland? 
Okay, so it was a lot of questions. I said one, but all we're right. going to allow Milena to have all of them. So let's start with the toughest competitor yeah, you've cute. faced. I know, so e- cute. Either, yeah, uh, either Sasha Banks or Charlotte Flair. What do you want to be uh, when, when the wrestling career is done? Um, I do something creative. Look, I studied acting. I love performing. Um, that's something that I've always wanted to go back to. Um, luckily, a few more opportunities have been presenting themselves recently. It's storytelling. It's the ability to emote, the ability to make people feel something. I love it. I love it more than anything. So I'm yeah. always going to be in something creative. Um, do I miss living in Ireland? Um, I miss my friends and my family. I know that I wouldn't have the opportunities that I have now if I was living in Ireland. And then I, so I was a vegetarian for years upon years upon years. I started with probably when I was like 15. And then I actually started eating meat when I got signed by WWE because I thought I'd probably need a little bit more muscle. And then about two and a half years ago, I was like, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. I feel bad. I love the animals. Um, right. And so then I stopped, I stopped eating meat. Yeah, I'm about almost two years in as well, so I'm with you on that one. I can't go yeah. quite vegan yet because I just love cheese too much. Cheese is my favorite thing, so I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the thing is I can't go vegan actually just because I'm freaking allergic to everything. Oh, uh, yeah. So, yeah, like I'm allergic to soy, I'm allergic to pea protein, so I'm like, oh, if I, if I don't eat some amount of animal products, whether it be eggs or yogurt or whatever, then I'll actually have no protein, but just right, let me right. make sure kind it's ethically sourced. <laughs> right. Yeah. Kind of important yeah. for your gig. Well, yeah. I've just loved talking to you. I know you don't have that much time. So before we let you go, you do have to do the one thing that everybody does and nobody expects. Didn't expect a kind of Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. That's right, the Spanish Inquisition, the 10 questions everybody gets and nobody expects. Number one, what's your Desert Island album? You can only have one. Oh, uh, Lightning Bolts by Proja. Oh, such a good one. My wedding song is on that album, too. Oh, uh, which is your wedding song? Future Days. Oh, what a song, man. I know. What a it's freaking the best. song. It's the best. Yeah. Uh-uh. Number two, what habit or quality do you think has contributed most to your success? Um, determination. Number three, what would you consider your biggest failure? Um, frick, it's hard to say failure because either, uh, either learn or you win, you know? Um, but, uh, frick, my biggest failure, maybe it's given up. I don't know. Right. Well, you found your way back, so you learned. Which yeah, is, I did which find. Is... Exactly. It's so hard to say. Like, it's yeah. so cliche, and like, we feel like failures all the time. But then we look back and we go, oh, but if you didn't do that, then this wouldn't have happened, right? Just, you learn from it. Everything, everything really does happen for a reason. I tell this all the time know. because I get to this question, and most extremely successful people have a lot of trouble with it. And I think it's partly the mindset that you're going to learn from it, and then you don't wallow in it. And then when you have to be asked about it, you don't even remember that you failed because you've already turned it into something positive. So it's not surprising. But yeah, you have yeah. to. You yeah. have to. It's the, it's the only way we learn. Like, And I always say that you learn more from uh, – if I go have a terrible match – I will dwell on it. I will think about it. I will never want to feel that way again. It will eat at me for weeks upon weeks, maybe months, maybe even years. If I have a great match, then, well, that was good. And then I'm, I don't think about it. I don't learn anything. 
So you need them failures. You need those hiccups. Number four. I think I know the answer, but have you ever been in a fist fight? Um. Oh yeah, yeah. I have. Like a real, like oh, no. a real knockdown yeah. at a bar, take your earrings off kind of fight. Yeah. No, I was <laughs> in a fist fight, but it was when I was a little kid, like probably yeah. like ten. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, number five. If you could switch lives with anyone for a day, who would it be? Um. Maybe Eddie Vedder. I'd oh. like to see how he lives. Yeah. yeah. I'd like to, and I'd like to be able to say. And yeah. be any better for a second. Just look out at a crowd of thousands of people yeah. that are just like made so happy by the thing you do. I mean, you get to do that too. Which I mean, is nice I do thing. that. You do that. <laughs> I do, you do, I do that. that. Just that in was, a different that way. Was lyric. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That was my, that was my, my musical talent. <laughs> uh, number six, what's the most embarrassed you've ever been? Um, the most embarrassed I've ever been. There was one time when I, I was on a, a first date with a guy, and we went out, and I was wearing, like, a dress, whatever. I get out of the car. I go to put money in the meter for the parking. And uh, he's like, uh, Rebecca? And my dress was not my underwear. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number seven, what's the thing about yourself you'd most like to improve? Um, The thing about myself that I would most like to improve is probably, I'm pretty wonderful. No, just kidding. Um, uh, God, what would I most like to improve? Oh, maybe my ability to say no. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. We've talked about that on this podcast several times. It's a tough thing for people who uh, are active and ambitious and want to help out and all that stuff. Uh, number yeah. eight, if you could be commissioner of life for a day, what one rule would you enforce that all of society would have to adhere to? Um. Oh, Probably, oh, if don't sing along in selfies on your freaking Instagram stories. <laughs> Nobody likes that. So annoying, and you're not cute when you do it. You just look like an idiot. It's <laughs> very stop. specific. Please I enjoy that. Stop. Oh, my God. It hurts my soul. Unless you're Eddie Vedder. Unless you're Eddie Vedder. Eddie's way too freaking cool for that. That's so true. Eddie's he would never. He would media. never. He's too freaking yeah. cool. That's right. Um... Number nine, what's the most scared you've ever been? Uh, oh, yeah, uh, probably one time when I nearly died. So uh, it was actually myself and Charlotte were, were driving from um, one live event to another. And uh, we're on the road, and um, this is in Detroit, and two cars just go whizzing past us. And I go, holy crap, that car nearly, boom, and we get sideswiped. Um, and we swerve all over the road and then land right into um, right into a wall and then we go skidding past that and uh, and I look over at Charlotte and um, she is just covered in red stuff. It turned out that it was my meal from the back of the um, oh. from the back of the car that went down, but I thought it was blood. And then oh. we're we're in the middle of this place in Detroit right outside eight mile and uh and nobody stopped for us and i was scared to go back into the car because i thought it might explode and to get my phone and we're trying to figure out how to get some police there but that and that that was pretty scary yeah still made the show the next night still made the show the next night oh my gosh yeah that's terrifying um yeah number 10 what three words would you most hope that people would use to describe you um um three words i wish that people 
integrity, um, genuine, and then uh, smart. Yeah, those are good ones. I hope. We'll allow you to have a fourth. It's just the man as one word. We'll we'll give you that one too. (laughs) All right, okay. Um, And then finally, who would you recommend that I have on this podcast? Who's someone that's good to talk to? Oh, I'm a little biased, but I, I, I mean, I think Seth Rollins is extremely oh, yeah. interesting. That'd be a good one. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll look into that. Hey, thanks for the time, Becky. I know you're super busy. Thank you so much for making time. Thanks a million. That's what she said. Oh, yeah. One more thing. This is a place for me to rant or rave about something, tell you something to read, watch, listen to. Just a good story I've got. And this week, two sort of heavy things, but I think really well worth your time. Uh, The first, um, if you're a regular listener and have been for a very long time, many years ago, early on in this podcast, sports writer Jonah Carey, baseball expert, was a guest on this podcast. Uh, He was recently sentenced to 21 months in prison for repeated incidents of domestic assault of his ex-wife, including several while she was pregnant with their child. And this came as such a shock to so many of us in the sports world. I'll admit I did not know him well, but I had met him in person, had him on the podcast, had had him on my show numerous times and came across as a really great, really nice, really supportive guy who had spoken out about athletes who were abusive and social uh, justice issues that uh, made you think he was one of the good guys. And it's such a good reminder for us to learn that what happens beyond closed doors and what happens in those intimate partner relationships can be shocking and uh, to to believe, to start by believing. Um, and thankfully for his ex-wife, she has audio and video of some of the abuse. Uh, she's bravely gone public with her story and there was accountability for him and his actions, which is so rare compared to so many of these cases. But she decided to go public with her story to try to encourage other women to leave abusive situations and to let them know that even when it feels like there isn't, there is a way out. So you can find the CBC News, The National, uh, interview on YouTube. You can search CBC News, The National, and uh, Jonah Carey, and that interview with his ex-wife should come up. Very, very brave. Also, some incredible reporting from ESPN's own Tom Junot and Paula Levine called Untold, and it's the story of a serial sexual predator on the Penn State football team years before the Jerry Sandusky abuse scandal came out, but while Joe Paterno was the head coach. Um, it is a gripping and terrifying read, but so necessary for a number of reasons. One, to put into context how schools, companies, churches, groups uh, really seek to protect and insulate their spaces instead of acknowledging and fighting evil and helping it be public so that it can be prevented. Also, failures of the justice system, where this person was caught and held accountable very briefly, let out back into the world, where he went on to not only rape more women, but murder someone. And um, the silence and the 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 ways that these women are failed over and over again. And I think the more we learn about these situations and cases and the more we see them, the more we can spot them and the more we can work to make sure that in the future um, these people are held accountable. So it's called Untold. It's on ESPN.com. Check it out. You can always tweet me at Sarah Spain if you have guest suggestions, questions, dilemmas. Uh, You should always go to the iTunes or podcast app, follow and subscribe to That's What She Said with Sarah Spain. Rate it five stars. Please give it a nice review. Uh, Thanks, as always, for lasting about an hour with me. That's what she said. 